morning. Be blessed. God is good, isn't he? Uh, welcome to my very first uh, episode of Writing with the Pastor. Um, I thank you this morning for being with me. Uh, it's nice to have some company. <laughs> um, so the reason why I created this podcast was to share God's message everywhere I can and take every opportunity that I have to push God's love and desire for all mankind out there that they can hear what God can do and what God wishes to do and what God would love for you to do. And I appreciate um, your feedback, um, if any. Uh, I were, I'm the elder. Uh, my name is Orlando K. Arcady, Orlando James Arcady. I'm the elder of Arcway Ministries Church um, in Rancho Cucamonga, California. All are welcome to come and visit. We have a small, intimate church right now. Uh, we just started a little while ago, uh, maybe a couple years ago. God has been blessing, and I have a lot of writings and word um, that I have written over the past few years uh, that are inspiring and educational, mostly uh, informative, um, thought-provoking, um, caring, and uh, clarifying. So I'm going to get right to it this morning. Uh, a lot of the times... I do my driving uh, from work, so uh, as I am on the road, uh, I like to discuss topics that I'm going over, and I listen to the Lord as he clarifies and uh, straightens out and works out and inspires. So I wanted to share, um, and I wanted to enlighten and it's, this is a good opportunity. I don't want to keep it to myself. I want to share it with the world um, and continue to elevate every last one of you to higher heights. Um, so with that note, uh, let's dive into this morning's uh, discussion. Uh, my service this weekend, um, Sunday, was about Trusting and obeying, and I'm going to talk about this morning, trust, trusting God, trusting and believing in God, and with that note, um, let's begin. So, first off, we need to understand something. When we talk about trust, and this isn't just about God, or, and it's about everyone, that we are built in the image and likeness of God. This means that God created us, and he understands how we work. And this means that God knows how we trust. You understand? He knows 
what's required, what's necessary, how it needs to look, what it needs to look like in order for us to trust, for, in order for us to trust each other, in order for us to trust uh, God, in order for us to trust in idols, in order for us to trust in anything. He knows the conditions that need to be met in mankind in order for that tool of emotion and that tool of uh, expectation to present itself and to to grow. And so he set out with what's called evidentiary, right? And when he began to talk with Adam and Eve in the garden, mainly just Adam, because Eve was a part of Adam, so it was just Adam as far as God was concerned. He began to talk to Adam in the garden. They didn't need trust. They just needed to be aware. And then once they were aware, they simply responded to the conversation of the Almighty God, whether they saw him or not. Uh, it's written in the Bible that God walked with Adam in the garden. It doesn't necessarily mean that God walked as if he had legs, but that his presence was with Adam everywhere he went in the garden. Uh, he slept with God. He woke up with God. He worked with God. And everywhere he went, uh, God was there speaking with him and talking with him and providing him the confidence in his existence, even though Adam could not see God, he knew he was there. And we're a little bit far off from the state of Adam in the garden. Uh, so nevertheless, what God put in Adam to identify and to trust is still existent in us. Therefore, when God presented himself again to mankind through Abraham and through Isaac and through Jacob, he gave them signs and visions and they trusted in the voice that they heard because the voice was very distinct and very direct and consistent. One of the things that we need to understand is that God's consistency is, his is, a, is, a, is a condition that comes with his presence. God doesn't change. He doesn't adjust. He doesn't become something for us this time and then changes to be something for us under, a desert, under another condition because we are feeling a certain way. God is the same from beginning to end. And he doesn't uh, adjust. There is no God of this or God of that, and he becomes this face over here and he becomes that face over there. 
that's not God. Um, that's an idol, and those are idols that do that. But God is not an idol. So when we begin to look at what God set before us, he set before us uh, the conditions of our sight, our eyes, have to see what's there before us as truth and proof of truth. So we need something to focus on. We need a focus point. We need something to focus upon. We need something to look at. We need something to uh, a reference. And that reference point that God gave us was always his voice and the things that he did on a global scale, the work, the craftsmanship, that through his voice that he made, so when he created the stars and the clouds and the trees, the understanding that came from his voice which taught Adam was that he created all of this. And so since he created all of this, see, look how it grows at my will. It grows because I let it and because I desire it to do so. It exists and it hangs in its place because I desire it to do so. And that was the understanding. There was in the early stages of mankind no question that God existed. There was no question that God uh, uh, was in control of everything. There was no question that the voice that they heard when they called upon God and he answered that that was God. There was no question about that. But as men became more distant and more distant, um, they began to see other things and they began to reject the voice of God. So as the conditions of this world changed mankind's expectations of truth, truth became harder to find in God. And it became harder to find in other men because everyone was able to redefine truth for themselves. And once truth be becomes redefined for yourself by your own view, then the only truths that matter are your own views. Those are the only ones that matter. So everything must fit into that individual's framework, not the framework God has established for mankind. So, um, this is how you derive idols. <laughs> you begin to apply certain ideas and concepts that exist, and you begin to rationalize them to fit your own view. And you say, well, this is now my God, and a man can take a piece of wood, bash it into a form, and bow down and worship it and call that their God. And it's under their own authority. And so what happens is everyone begins to initiate their own authority as God. And so here we come down unto Moses, and we have the children of Israel 
in bondage, and God is ready to pull them out, and they are steeped in idol worship. They're steeped in the Egyptian uh, custom and culture. Um, that's all they knew for a generation, uh, a couple generations. And it was very, just very interesting how that flowed, how they just developed and, and got into that situation. Yet God always maintained a remnant uh, of people that would remember him and would call upon him. And there were individuals in bondage, the old, the elders, the uh, maybe the grandsons of the 12 boys uh, that were in bondage and didn't want to be there, and they knew who to call on, but they didn't know if he was listening. You see, the thing that gets God's attention the most is that is when God desires for you to call upon him even though you don't know him, and you do. That gets God's attention. Because here you are reaching out for help from a dark place. And God is listening, but you don't know him. You don't have a clue how to get to him. All you know is you need help from what you remembered as God. And it actually is him that you're calling about. In other words, you had to be exposed to God at some point in time in your life of the reality of him and taught of him to be able to remember him. It's difficult to reach out to God without knowing that he exists. You had to have heard there's something out there that can do this. You say, whatever it is, whatever it is that's up there that's able to help me, please help me. I need help. A lot of people do this, and you know, but some people do it, and God answers. What makes God answer one versus not answering the other? Only God knows. Only God knows. He looks into a person's future at the time. He sees the potential and he sees what he wants them to do. And he rescues based upon those measures, that metric. It's all about God and what he sees, what he is willing. And every spirit has a timeline. So if it's not your time, he's going to come rescue you. If it is your time, he's not. I just this morning, uh, I just heard a tragedy about uh, 39 people, 36 people on a boat, trapped on a boat that was on fire, and about 35 of them died, 35, 35 people died, with five people living. So 
little bit, that was just the people that were stuck in the boat. Five people left. They were all crew members. But 35, 36 people died on this boat this morning, uh, yesterday. Uh, a horrible tragedy. Why didn't God answer their prayer and rescue all of them and avoid the tragedy? Why didn't he? You know, it seems unlikely that 35 people all at once had their spirit recalled in the same place. You know, they said, oh, that's the end of your day, all 39 of you at this day. It just seems hard to fathom that, that 36 people all at once and five people in another, in another shooting um, all tragically lost their lives at that time. You know, God is awesome, but nevertheless, He's in control of everything. Tragedy and glory. Uh, people are being rescued in the Bahamas right now over a storm, yet five people died there. Uh, but the countless others are existing uh, and, and surviving it. Uh, tragedies help us help remind us that this world's volatility can be dangerous and that we need help from other sources and it can also be a catalyst to prompt men to pray to a God that they once did not know or it can be a motivator to drive away men's hearts from God and trust must be developed under those circumstances and these things have happened generation after generation after generation tragedy people dying now on mass a hundred people killed in, in a riot and so on and so forth um, you know, the situations that we see on earth and in this world cause us to uh, to really question the wisdom of God sometimes from our own view because we don't really know him. You really don't know him. You really are just trying to figure this thing out. You, you're just trying to, you're trying to trust but it's hard to trust something that is so dangerous. You know, it's like having a pet snake or a pet lion. It's cute. It's, it's, it's awesome to look at and majestic. Just remember it's, it can change on you in a dime and perform and, and cause serious harm to you or to someone else in an instant. So you have to respect it. You have to watch it. And what happens is when God becomes your lion, you don't trust, you obey. And there's a difference between trusting and obeying. When you don't trust, when you develop some, so let's, let's come back up a little bit before we get to that point, because I don't want to jump ahead a little bit. 
when you when God is developing the requirements for trust in us, He provides it through our eyes and through our ears, the senses we have that we use, that we need to have fulfilled in order to provide relevance in this world for us. God gives us signs. God gives us wonders. God gives us his word preached and taught. God gives us the the rule sets and the conditions that he needs in order for his presence to be there to be to be uh, among us and these conditions that we are given called commandments and these commandments and these conditions that that we fulfill in order to have God in our lives are unchangeable when we begin to see God as an overseer or as a lion or as someone who is overruling our lives, we don't need trust. We begin to operate in obedience. The difference between trust and obedience is the difference between close and distant. When I am close to you, I trust you. When I am distant from you, I obey you. I don't like you to obey you, but I have to like you. I like you if I trust you. You see how that works? I don't have to care one whit to do what you tell me to do. Because I know eventually you'll be gone or I'll leave you. And it'll just be temporary. But trusting lasts for as long as the relationship exists. It can last for as long as you desire that person in your life. It can last for as long as the conditions that are set before you that, that, that meet the need for trust in you are met. That's why we get into relationships with people, and we trust them. We get in relationships with our boyfriends. We get in relationships with girlfriends. We get in relationships with our wives. We get in relationships with husbands, and we develop trust. I remember seeing just recently um, uh, what's called this, this uh, TV show called Married at First Sight, and on this show uh, they put couples together that don't know each other. They don't know each other, and they just meet each other on the wedding day, the wedding uh, uh, service. That's when they first meet each other. And it is crazy that you're willing to give trust, and you don't really think about it. They don't really say anything about trust. That isn't anything. That comes up from the experts that paired the two together based upon uh, matches and whatnot and 
formula and so on and so forth that they develop to try and put two people that seem to be compatible, right? And they want to see how it works. It's an experiment. Trust is an experimentation. Trust is simply what I need or you need to be comfortable, to be satisfied, to feel good about where I'm at. I have to trust my environment once I know my environment and I know what to expect. It becomes uh, uh, predictable. And predictability in my environment, predictability in my family, predictability in my wife, predictability in my children, inspire trust. Because I know what to expect from them when I meet them or when they're in my life. I can navigate. I can I can uh, I can focus. I can function. Not being able to navigate, not being able to focus and function with someone that you just meet, that you just met, uh, is harrowing. And it's like It is crazy, and they do end up in some crazy situations because you have some people that really are, that don't know each other, they're, they don't trust each other, and they're asked and expected to trust each other in a marriage, and to develop that expectation of trust immediately. And it's interesting to see the walls come down and people retreat into themselves very quickly uh, because they find out that the condition for trust isn't based upon looks. It isn't based upon what you expect to be proof of compatibility versus what actually is compatible, right? What it looks like doesn't really validate. It doesn't meet out. What am I saying? Signs are for introduction to the desire of the individual to help you to trust them. They are not there for the trust. They are there to introduce you to the individual that you should trust, that wants to trust, that wants you to trust. Signs are there for introduction. So when God gave them signs and miracles, the children of Israel, when they came up out of Israel, they said. That's not good enough for my trust. What I trust is what I know. And I know idols. I I grew up with idols. I know what to expect and I can control what I know. What God offers, I don't have control over. I'm unfamiliar with. I am uncomfortable with. 
it is like a lion over my head. It is something that I don't have any authority over, and I can't trust it. And so the walls came down, the idols came out, and at the foot of Mount, at the foot of the mountain, they began to worship, and Aaron had to be called out, and God had to send Moses, and Moses broke the Ten Commandments, the two tablets, and was angry, and he chastised them, made them drink the bitter water, and, you know, it, 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 it all became a part of the process for God to establish trust in a people that did not know him. And God is patient and merciful. But he's also, just like a child, correcting. A parent correcting a child. He's correcting. He loves who he corrects and he chastises whom he loves. And we also make mistakes constantly. Because we don't really trust what we hear. We don't really trust what we can't control, we don't really trust what we believe on all the way. We know, or we want to know, we want to believe, we want to trust. But how to do that and give it over to God and give everything to God, that's a tough one. Because, especially if you've never heard him, you have to get, it's, it's as if God is this thought and this idea of, and a way of life. It is as if God is the nation of America and you are loyal to America with all of its differences and changes and things you like and things you don't like. You're still loyal to it. As much as you are loyal to God with all of its changes and the things that, let's get honest, you don't like or you find as unnecessary and the things that you do like that you find as completely necessary, same way of looking at it. Trust is a very, very convoluted thing for many people. But it's all the same way. The only thing that makes it hard or easy is the willingness to accept new things in our lives and the uh, conditions set of what those new things that we're going to accept them will have to contain. Because when we add our own filter into what God has placed as the base of acceptance for trust, then trust becomes a lot more difficult to obtain. How do we obtain trust in God? We allow God to present himself. And that's the toughest part. Allowing God to present himself.
because hearing about God in church every Sunday doesn't really allow God to present himself. What allows God to present himself under the conditions set that we have in the world, because we are so far off, we have to start trying to get close to him and he will become close to us. That's why the Bible says, Seek him, and he shall be found. Knock, and the door will be opened. We make, it is not that God is not able to come and grab us out of sin, but he wants your heart. And he wants us to be confident in what we want. And the only way a human being will be confident in what they want is when they walk over and ask for it. I want this. You want? I want this. Oh, you're confident about this. Yes, I want this. Okay, let's go get it. But he's he's able to serve. He's able to give us all that we ask for and all that we need. Under the conditions that we find ourselves, we have to initiate the relationship with God. Oh, Lord, here am I. Take me. Come meet me. I need help right away. We have to do that now. It's not that God won't. He's waiting. It's not that he can't come and come get you. He can't take it away from you before you get there. But he wants your heart and your eyes and your ears and your nose and your, your senses and everything that's about you have to be ready to accept a new husband rapidly. So those people that get married immediately on married at first sight, when they first meet them that morning, it's just like you meeting God one morning when you come to church and you say, I want to give my life over to God because I heard that he was good and kind. And a lot of people like to say, okay, all right, this is your husband now. You're married to him. Right? And these evangelical churches say, This is your husband now. This is your husband. God is your husband now. You're married to God. Praise God. And you're all excited and happy, but you don't know him. And the second things get hard, you retreat back into you. Because that's what you know. You can't get with God in that manner. That's not God. You don't. You don't love God at first sight. You love God over time. You love God as you understand who you are and what you expect. And then you see where God fits. Because he needs you. 
he's developed you and he's created you. So you're going to fit. Everything God has established for you to be a part of him matches what you need to trust him. You need to be known, to be sure that what you're doing is going to benefit you. How do you know that? How do you do that? How do you understand that? How do you recognize that what you're going to get into is going to be beneficial for you? Repentance. Repentance covers that requirement. How do you say? Because if I'm asking for forgiveness for the things that I did, I'm asking to be better than who I was. If God gives me repentance and accepts my repentance, then I know I'm going to be better than who I was. And that is beneficial for me. Right? So, number one down. Click done. Number two, baptism in his name. How does baptism in his name uh, reconcile us to help trust in him? Because once I ask God for re- for forgiveness for my sins, he tells me, okay, you know what? In order for you to recognize and to have confidence in what you're receiving and what you're asking for, go do this. And what it does is it gives us a sense of partnership with God. It tells us and lets us know that God cares enough for us and puts enough trust in us that we will fulfill what he asks us to do. Baptism is as much for us and more for us than it is for him. Cleansing is more for us than it is for him. A mikvah is more for us than it is for him. God doesn't need anything to convert you from one place to the next, from one state of existence to the next. He just has to change his mind about you. (laughs) But he wants you to be able to stay with him. And so baptism is the means to convert your understanding of who you are. It accompanies your repentance. And it says, in the name of the person who presents my sins before God, I now convert into his name. And I give my life, my soul, my idea, and my, my unction unto, unto God through him. Now, here's the question. Our our loyalty and our trust we put in God, not the name in which we're baptized. It's God. It's through that name that we gain access to God.
God. Do you understand? I know there's some pastors out there that say, no, that's wrong. No, that's right. <laughs> okay. We're not worried about someone who doesn't have the power to save us. We're looking for someone who does have the power to save us. Moses didn't have the power to part the Red Sea. God had the power to part the Red Sea. Jesus didn't have the power to raise himself up. God raised Jesus. Do you understand? Death's waves were parted by God so that Jesus and them that followed him may pass through death. The sea opened up when Moses raised his staff by God so that those that followed Moses could pass through the sea of death. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's important for us to always focus on God. But the individual that opens and makes the way that God uses is the remembrance of the means by which my salvation will be made assured. Okay? So we focus our, our fealty and our loyalty and our trust is in God, nothing else. The name God gives us to call upon him is the name God gives us to use to reach him. So it's appropriate to call upon the name of Jesus to gain help. But nevertheless, don't forget that all your help comes from God and him alone. What happens is a lot of us get caught up in trusting in the name and not God. We get caught up in the name and we get so bent into the name, Yeshua, Yahweh, all these other Ishi, uh, Yosef, Jesus, Moses, Abraham. We get caught up on the names, and we forget God. Because our focus and the condition for trust is still corrupt. In the sense that we still need that idol. We still need that focus point. God is too great a focus point for us. It's too difficult to rationalize and wrap our head around. But Jesus is a focal point. Just as Moses was a focal point, Jesus is a focal point to gain access to God. So we use Jesus as a focal point to gain access to God while we're young, but as we mature, we become to understand that God is God. 
God is in control. You see, Moses was in the name of God. Moses was a name used by God. So when they were baptized unto Moses, no one considered Moses a god. And so when you baptize in Jesus' name, you don't consider Jesus God. God is God. Jesus is the means to get to God, just as Moses was the means to get to God. We are to put our trust in God and nothing else. Anything else is idol worship. You understand? Anything else that we put our trust in is idol worship. So, our trust is earned, and God can earn our trust. Our obedience is given, and no one needs to be close to you to, for you to obey them. Okay? Obedience is not contrary to trust. There is obedience in trust, civil obedience. Because if you obey something, you have to trust in them sometimes. But you don't necessarily have to believe in it and trust in it in order to obey it at all times. Obedience is more um, our way of expressing uh, uh, a confidence to a certain extent. It's our way. It's man's way. But trust is something God established. And trust yields greater rewards than obedience. So always understand that. Trust yields greater rewards than obedience. Obedience is that of a servant. A servant is obedient. A servant doesn't need to like his master. A servant needs to obey his master. A master doesn't need to like his, his servant. A master needs to give orders to his servant because he's the master. There doesn't have to be trust between a certain level of trust develops and a certain level of admiration for the position that one finds themselves in from the bottom up develops. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the closeness of trust is developed because someone is obedient. It's important for people to recognize the difference between trying to develop trust and trying to establish obedience and the conditions that, that exist between the two. Okay? We want to trust God. We want to get to know God. We want to get to understand God. We want to be married to God. And that doesn't happen 
at first sight. So with that, I'm going to leave this morning's episode of Riding with the Pastor. I'm almost where I need to be at my destination. So I want you to be blessed this day, and I want you to think on the greater thing of life and how it pertains to you and what it needs to look like for you, okay? Um, Stay in the now. Stay in the fight. Um, Don't give up. You've got help. Always remember God is there with you, and all you need to do is call on him, whether you know him the way others do or not, whether you know him the way you'd like to or not, start trying to. Start doing so. And watch him respond. And eventually, he'll put you where you need to be. Okay? So, God bless. Have a nice day.